Thank you. Uh, my name is Tim. I'm an addict. Thank you very much for having me here. Um, so I, I think I'm going to be talking about step 12, but I'll talk about some other things first as well, because I don't know, there might be some people who are new. Um, that could be anywhere in the first 20 years is, is new in a sense. Um, <laughs> and it never hurts, I think, to talk about step one. Couple of points. I won't belabor the whole question of step one. It's a big topic, but in the preamble, it talks about, uh, uh, or in one of the readings rather, it talks about a continued, the obsession being a continued and irresistible uh, thought of, of using. And doesn't mean continuous. There's a difference between continuous and continual. Continual is the whole time, 24 hours a day. Oh, sorry, continuous is 24 hours a day. Continual is it comes and it goes. Like when you've got a light bulb that's on the blink and sometimes you switch it on and it comes on and other times you switch it on and nothing happens. And that was what, that was what tripped me up. Uh, so I've been clean since the 24th of July, 1993. But I first started, um, I first started getting clean in, in 1990. And I can be all right for a while. If I've had a really bad rock bottom, then I'm so horrified at what happens that I can cheerfully stay away from from all substances for a while. And I get lulled into thinking, look at me with my common sense. I've learnt my lesson now. And I think I'm fine. And I think, well, I can trust myself. Look at how sensible I am. So I start to trust myself. And then the, the self that I trust says, let's have a drug, let's have a drink. Let's have a drug. Let's have a this. Let's have a that. And because I'm in the habit of trusting myself, I do what my mind says and I'm off to the races again. Um, I think it would have been easier to accept that I was insane if I were permanently insane. But it's an insanity which came and went unpredictably. And that's what makes it tricky which means I've got to have my life in the care of a power greater than myself 24 hours a day, because I don't know at what point my mind is going to flip and say, a drink is a good idea, a drug is a good idea. There are some other things that I've gotten up to over the years, which for which there are 12-step fellowships. Let's not go into details. But uh, um, I think my sponsor said to me once, you're such a pig. Uh, there's almost nothing. <laughs> there's almost no gambling is like the one thing that I just don't get. Uh, everything else, yeah. Um, so it's a continual, a continual, continually recurring idea that a drink or a drug is a good idea. Uh, because I don't know when it's going to hit. I've got to be in the higher powers care the whole time. If I've got divided loyalties between me, you know, my selfish 
way of living and the higher power. Let's hope that the desire to drink or drug does not hit when I'm in one of my self moments. If it hits when I'm in one of my self moments, then I'm screwed. So I've got to be, this is why I think it says in the big book, uh, faith has to work in and through us 24 hours a day. And there's, there's a f part of my mind which is never going to be quite right. Now, I can live a perfectly good life. I've got, a, you know, all of the normal things of everyday life. But I was walking past, there's a, a block of flats near where I live where there are some, there are some ground floor windows. So you walk past and you're right next to their, their window sills and someone had the window open. And there was a glass of red wine from the night before, which had been left near the open window of this ground floor flat. And as I was walking past, I thought I could stick my hand in there and grab that and drink it. The thought literally occurred to me. Now, <laughs> luckily, over the last 28 years of being uh, in recovery, properly in recovery, uh, I've developed a healthy scepticism towards everything that I think. What do I think? I don't care. <laughs> because I live a program rather than just saying, hey, brain, what do you think? Oh, I'll do what you've just told me to do. That was basically how I lived. If my my brain talks to me in my own voice and then I think I'm saying it, I think I'm thinking it. I'm not. My brain is thinking it at me in my own voice and I think it's me. So the, because of the training, I've learned to adopt a scepticism towards the information that my brain fires at me. Now, God can fire information at me as well. And there are three forms that it talks about on page 86. Uh, uh, an intuitive thought, inspiration first, spirit first, intuitive thought, mind, decision on practical level. And they come at me too. I don't, I don't think thoughts. I receive thoughts. The question is, where am I receiving the thoughts from? Before I got to AA, there was only one source, which was my ego, my al alcoholism, my addiction, my whatever you wanted, the devil. You know, people use different words to describe it. When you've only got one voice to listen to, you have to do what it says, because what else are you going to do? Sit there like a potato for the rest of your life. You've got to do something. So you follow the only voice that's there. The point about recovery for me is it gives me a different voice to listen to. Well, first of all, it makes me realize I am not the voices in my head. I'm the, I'm the person that gets to pick between those voices in my head. Um, and... The 12 steps have given me a method of rejecting the old set of voices which led me astray, not just with drink and drugs, but with other stuff too. Um, and it's enabled me to be quiet enough to listen out for the inspiration, the intuitive thought, the decision that comes down the tubes from the higher power, which was there the whole time. And occasionally, very occasionally, it would peek through during my drinking and using years. Uh, but I didn't know what it was. I didn't know that this is, you know, this is the voice which contains all direction and strength you ever need to handle every problem. I, no one told me that's what it was. I just thought, well, that was a nice thought. 
I didn't realize that if I made a if I formed a relationship with that voice, like it would literally solve all my problems. I had to be told that. So uh, what's recovery about? I think recovery is about recognizing that I'm uh, part of my brain is fundamentally broken um, and that I need to be in the care of a higher power to be OK. There's one other there's one other point as well. Um, it talks in the big book, it talks in, in Bill W's 12 Steps and 12 Traditions about the double-edged, you know, the, the, the twofold nature, the double-edged sword, uh, the obsession it was had it, we had it this evening, the obsession, which gets me to have the first one, and then the physical craving, which kicks in, which means I can't moderate. I don't, I didn't want to moderate. When I tried to moderate, I couldn't. It's just not not on the menu. But there's a third thing, and the third thing trips people up. Um, for me, to drink or take drugs or to engage in certain other behaviours, it's like swimming out to sea. I don't get to pick when I come back, when the current takes me, then I'm out. If the if the currents turn and wash me back up on onto shore, great. But I'm not in charge of the currents. Once I wade out into the sea, I'm not in charge of the currents. They may wash me back up. They may not. Now, what people are pretty down with usually is the idea that if they uh, drink or use today, then you know there might be a a few days of carnage uh but then you know when it gets bad enough you just come back into recovery again well if you're lucky and this is that this is the third element so number one i'm powerless over the first drink or drug left to my own devices once i've had the first drink or drug uh then I'm off to the races that evening, but the th there's a third layer of powerlessness, which means uh, I might want to come back into the world of recovery, but be unable to. I might not even want to. A little click might go off in my head where I just say, well, bugger the lottie. I'm just going to see it through to the bitter end. And my friend Paul um, drank again in 1995 after two years and it's 26 years later he's tried to come back a few times and can't and this is the I've talked to a lot of people over the years I sponsor a lot of people over the years who slip and almost invariably the delusion is that they're bringing themselves back from the slip so that if they were to slip well maybe there'd be some wreckage but which of us can't handle a bit of wreckage, there's the delusion that they can necessarily come back. And unfortunately, experience over the years reveals that's not always the case. Um, step 12, there are three elements. So there's having had a spiritual awakening as the result of the steps. Um, what does that mean to me? You ask, you ask anyone on, you know, 10 days in a row, you'll get a different answer. You ask me 10 days in a row, what's a spiritual awakening or spiritual experience, you'll get a different answer. So today is today's answer. It'll be different in a week's time. Um, the simplest way to put it is, uh, if you imagine the universe 
in the universe there is a planet on the planet there is a there is a theater there's a city in the city there is a theater in the theater there is a play going on with a bunch of actors playing parts now the world as i knew it was the play i was playing a bunch of roles in my life i had no idea i was an actor playing those roles i thought i was those roles i thought that everything in the material world was literally all there was so whatever role i was playing here was it i had no idea that there was something more i think the truth is that um i'm spirit that happens to be living in this physical form now. Um, uh, the wonderful Anne Lamott says that death is a fairly major change of address. Um, it's not the end, it's something else. Uh, I like that. I mean, whatever your beliefs are, it's a great line. Um, the spiritual awakening is awakening to a realization that there is more to me than uh, I think someone calculated the chemicals in the human body. If you were to, to like sift them out and then go and shop for them, it would cost like two pounds fifty or something. I'm more than that. I'm more than just, you know, a, 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 there was a, a, a Star Trek um, episode where they found this weird kind of life form which was unlike anything they'd ever seen before and they found this way of communicating with it with radio waves or something and this life forms term for the way it described humans was bag of water <laughs> because we're 90 percent water and we're in a bag so um you know, i'm more than that um I'm not sure I fully realized that I was a kind of like a brain in a jar when I was drinking. Um, so that's the spiritual awakening, uh, which means everything's fine. You know, if stuff happens to me in the material world, it no longer dictates my experience of the universe. Um, how I feel is not simply a function of what happens to me, which it was when I got here. If you did something, as Bob Bazant says, uh, life is fired at you at point blank range. Well, it is before the spiritual awakening, after the spiritual awakening. You know, I've been given enough tools today that, you know, in the matrix where he, he puts his hand up and the bullets drop rather than hitting him. Uh, there are ways of literally doing that with emotionally difficult experiences, like holding them at arm's length so you can assess them and figure out, do I really want to be dragged into this bullshit? Hell no. So I won't be. Now that takes a while. It's taken a long time to learn how not to react to stuff. Um, my friend Tom says that for every year of, he's got like 44, 45 years um he says uh for every year of recovery he gets about one second of pause time so i've got about 28 seconds now between something happening and me figuring out whether i'm gonna go ape shit or zen um occasionally stuff gets when i'm not paying attention stuff just shoots under the radar um 
sometimes stuff just blindsides me, but uh, I'm far less affected by stuff than I used to be. Uh, we tried to carry this message to other addicts. Good luck. <laughs> uh, as Maureen once said to me, you can broadcast all you like, but you can't get into their living room and waggle their aerial. So you can't get hung up on whether they get it. I mean, we love it when they get it. Um, but sometimes I was a very difficult sponsee. Is a story where a man's in a bar and he sees someone sitting next to him. He says, sir, do you know you've got a banana in your ear? And the man says, what? And he says, you know, you've got banana in your ear. And he says, what? He says, banana, you've got a banana in your ear. And he says, I can't hear what you're saying. I've got a banana in my ear. So even when he managed to get the message across, it's not, it doesn't have the same meaning to them as it did when you sent it. So you do your best with step 12. I think the deal is this. Um, I'm, uh, to have a good life, yeah, I have a job and all of family obligations and all of that stuff. I'm married, whatever that means. Um, you know, I've got a lot, there's a lot going on in my life, which is wonderful. But the real thing, there's a line in the big book where it says, we're intelligent agents, spearheads of God's ever advancing creation. Which means I'm permanently on, a, on an undercover mission to channel whatever the higher power wants to channel into the lives of the people around me. I don't necessarily even know what it is that is being channeled. I just have to make myself available to the material. I remember someone asked me to sponsor them uh, a thousand years ago. I can't remember when. And uh, I, uh, at some point she said, you want to know why I asked you to sponsor me? And I thought she was going to say, well, because you're so spiritual or something like that. And she said, no, because you were sitting there with a hoodie with holes in it and you didn't care that people could see that you were in a hoodie with holes in it and I thought if I can go through life not caring what people think about me when I'm wearing shoddy old clothes then that's good enough for me so it wasn't the fine words it was the hoodie but I made myself available to the material and that's what happened um having said that uh the job is to carry the message of recovery. I'm in a bunch of different fellowships. Um, to carry the message of recovery uh, far and wide to whoever is interested uh, within meetings, outside meetings. I'm constantly making connections. Um, I go to all sorts of different meetings. I go to all sorts of different events. I'm always on the lookout. Um, I, I did a count a little while ago to, to just out of curiosity, because I seem to be getting a lot of uh, telephone calls. And um, there was a, I counted for a week, how many people do I have interaction with in recovery to carry the message to, in one way or another, sponsees, non-sponsees, all sorts of other things. And it was about 60 in one week. And that struck me as about the right amount. I need to be talking to about 60 people a week. That seems to be God's will for me. I'm fine with that. Uh, and I get to um, practice these principles in all my affairs, which is really fulfill my obligations, 
yield to other people under almost all circumstances and keep my big fat mouth largely shut, which I'm going to do now at 20 minutes and two seconds. So thanks for listening.